What's going on, everybody? Brennan Schaefer back with you here for another edition of Be Shafe Daily. I said when we left the last podcast, talk to you tomorrow. As has been the case before when I've done that, that was a lie. Did not get around to podcasting yesterday. Had some things going on. But we're back at it again today. And as badly as I want to talk about something different, I'm going to stick to my guns and discuss the topic of conversation that I had intended to finish up yesterday, which was the Nolan Arenado trade. Now that it has become official, the days kind of blend together, so it seems like a couple of days. But at any rate, since we've last spoken, the trade has become official and wanted to get on here and discuss the situation surrounding the players that the Cardinals actually gave up because the names actually ended up being a little bit different than the ones that were originally reported as being uh, possibilities for that trade. Some of the names the same, some of them different, and so we're going to get into that a little bit. And I might be able to get into some of this Colton Wong stuff today as well. Um, As of this recording, Colton Wong has reportedly signed a two-year contract with the Milwaukee Brewers, and so I can get into a little bit of the fallout about that. But I think tomorrow what I want to do is expand on the Colton Wong conversation a little bit Uh, with regard to uh, some conversations and topics that I've been diving in on Twitter today with a lot of people. I love doing Twitter, and sometimes I I do it more than I ought to because I go back and forth with people I've never met about topics that, you know, in the grand scheme of things are more important things in life. But I love it so much. I enjoy being able to talk to baseball fans, Cardinals fans in particular, and get a feel for like what what they believe about this team and how they view certain issues. And as you know, someone who grew up a Cardinals fan, but now as somebody who writes about the team and covers the team as a member of the media, I really have my own opinions and I have my own things that I believe. And I also like to kind of challenge people on theirs a little bit. And and when I disagree, certainly you can rope me in. It can be done. And and some of you out there that are listening, maybe it's been the case before where you and I have gone back and forth. I always try to keep it respectful. I always try to, you know, realize there's a person on the other side of that conversation. And sometimes I get a lot of notifications at a given moment, especially when things happen and I'm, I'm commenting on them via Twitter. And some of the things I get, I do have to mute it because it's not respectful. Or if I keep having to look at it in my notifications, I'll end up responding something that's maybe not very nice and get into an argument. Sometimes I'm willing to get into arguments or debates is really what I would rather phrase it as. And I did that a little bit today with regard to uh, some fallout from this Colton Wong signing with the Brewers. Uh, I've seen multiple numbers. I think Rosenthal reported it for two years and $19 million. And so, or pardon me, $18 million. The nine would be the average annual value. And so a lot of opinions over whether or not the Cardinals maybe could have Uh, kept him around. I think there's a lot of reasons that those are valid. I think there are reasons and explanations as to why they didn't, and that's kind of what I want to get into a little bit more tomorrow. But I did want to get on and acknowledge, since it's happened, uh, that's what you can expect for tomorrow. Just a conversation kind of about the value of Colton Wong and the way the Cardinals are deciding to approach their infield, which it looks like it's going to be Tommy Edmond getting opportunity at second base. But you've got to remember you've got Matt Carpenter there as well. And this all does kind of tie into the Nolan Arenado conversation because Arenado's arrival is really what cemented in my mind. I already thought Colton Wong would end up signing somewhere else. But when once you trade for Nolan Arenado, I was like, yeah, Colton Wong's a goner. For one, Cardinals were already concerned about the finances of the situation. 
And while they're getting a great sweetheart deal from Colorado with regard to the money that's being sent to help accommodate the salary of Nolan Arenado, and pardon me, I, I, I've called him Arenado, and I know it's Arenado. So I want to address that and try to catch myself when I mispronounce Arenado is the way the name is pronounced. He said on the Zoom yesterday he's heard so many different ways, you know, what call him whatever you want. But uh, I will work on trying to be better about that. Arenado rather than Arenado. But anyway... Once you get Arenado into the fold, you now have solved your issue at third base. Matt Carpenter, before this trade was made, it looked like it was going to end up being the guy that, at least by default, was going to see some time there. If not, Tommy Edmond could do that. But when you don't have Colt Wong, it, and this was something that John Moselak said, you know, end of season press conference, once they uh, announced that Wong would not be uh, re-signed, retained on that team option of $12.5 million. Once that happened, already they were talking Tommy Edmond, second base, like the hints were out there. It seemed to be that he was going to get first crack at that job. And that was fine, but it was like, well, if you don't have a third baseman, who's going to play third if not Tommy Edmond? I guess it's Matt Carpenter because, oh yeah, he's still under contract for over $20 million for this season. And if you don't have any immediate answers jumping out at you in the departure of Colton Wong, it'll probably be Carpenter. Well, now that you have Arenado, he plays third. And so that sets up the situation at second, where even if you don't think of the three players, Carpenter, Edmund, and Colton Wong, even if you don't think that Carpenter's the best or Edmund's the best or either of them are the best, if you think Colton Wong's the best of the three, which I, I tend to believe he would be the most valuable of the three, even though I think Edmund's got a chance to give him a run for his money. It's, you know, at second base, which Edmund's been able to hold down other positions defensively and has done a decent job at that, if not better than decent. He's a solid defender. He's an athletic guy. So there's, you know, there's not a whole lot of worry about that. But the drop-off kind of from what you had with, with Wong, people having a conversation about, okay, is it, you know, bring the finances into it. Is it a financial decision to not bring back Colton Wong, the Cardinals could have afforded it. Well, they they could have afforded it. Even with the Arenado deal, I think they could have afforded it, especially because they're getting $15 million this calendar year from Colorado to help facilitate that deal. But when you look at Carpenter and Edmund both being on the roster, Edmund, a player you like for the present and future, Carpenter, a player from your past and still part of your present, but has such a large salary, you're not going to be able to move him. And if he's around and he's working, and he says he's healthy, I'm not saying he's going to be the starter, you know, at second base or anywhere else. Maybe if they have a DH, he'll get some more playing time. But because of the fact that he's here, and you can't very well move him, uh, it just seemed obvious that they weren't going to go out of their way to try to go and get Colton Wong, regardless of what the price was. And that's disappointing, um, because I have been clear on the podcast and via Twitter and elsewhere that I'm a fan of Colton Wong's, I think, uh, what he brought to the table in St. Louis was valuable, and so he'll now be doing that for Milwaukee instead of St. Louis. Uh, my first reaction is at least it's not the Cubs because I, with all the national media love that Javi Baez gets and, and plays primarily shortstop, has played second base, if that was the Cubs' middle infield, I just don't think Cardinals fans would have been able to live that down. And that's what I tweeted out today that started all this fervor where I said, you know, at least at least not the Cubs, Right. And some people were like, "No, it doesn't matter. I don't care. They're not gonna. They don't. They don't lose a step because Tommy Edmond's pretty good." I'm like, well, you're not listening to what I'm saying. Yes, Tommy Edmond is pretty good. I'm just. I mean, the guy was a member of the Cardinals organization for like a, a decade. 
had to be close to it. He was playing in the 2013 World Series, which he catches a lot of flack for, you know, performance in that series. But that was eight years ago and a couple of years in the minor leagues. So he's been with the organization for a decade. And it just kind of surprises me the way people, when I say, well, aren't you glad this guy didn't go to the Cubs? People are like, no, the Cardinals will survive. They'll be fine. I'm like, okay. Not exactly what I was saying, but that's fine. But I, as I'm eight minutes into this podcast, I'm previewing the fact that I want to get a little bit more into this tomorrow. And I promise not to use the goblin voice that I just uh, put out there for a moment. Tomorrow, I'm going to get into that. And as it relates to Yadier Molina as well, there was one specific tweet that that I kind of retweeted with a shrug emoji because I kind of agreed with the logic this person was taking with regard to Colton Wong versus Yadier Molina versus where the Cardinals are are going with their money and and where they're not. I think it's a really interesting conversation, but it deserves a full 30 minutes and not just a little bit in addition to the Arenado stuff. So a little preview there of what I want to get into tomorrow. Uh, But for now, Arenado, let's get back to that. Talk about the return the Rockies got for Arnado coming to St. Louis because, you know, you weren't going to give up nothing, right? I mean, people said, oh, Cardinals got Arnado and they gave up nothing. Well, I mean, they didn't give up very much relative to what I think a lot of people thought they'd have to give up. And if you look back, and I did this recently within the last couple of days, I retweeted an old Twitter poll of mine. If you're newer to the podcast or newer to my Twitter, you may not remember back when I really used to go hot and heavy sending out Twitter polls, and it would be trade polls. I would, I would put up, you know, offers that I thought would get some discussion going on Twitter uh, when it came to the offseason or the trade deadline of players that I either were rumored to be going to the Cardinals or that I thought personally could be interesting for the Cardinals. Like, there were not ever any rules that I lived by other than I did always, and I was honest about this, I always tried to get, like, 50-50 responses. I wanted half the people to say, yes, that's a trade I would do, and the other half to say, no, that's not a trade that I would do if I'm the Cardinals. And it it didn't always end up that way. This particular instance did not. But that's always what I was kind of striving for. And so it got to be kind of fun to where I would guess, you know, what Twitter would actually think and then craft my poll around that. People would respond and say, that's not realistic. The Cardinals would never, or, or the Rockies would never do that. You know, whatever the, the case may be. I would always try to get it to be like relatively even because even in terms of votes on a Twitter poll means even discussion. People are debating and sharing their opinions on it with one another. It doesn't mean even in that the Colorado Rockies general manager thinks it's a fair trade and John Moselak thinks it's a fair trade. That was never what I was trying to do because I don't claim to know those things. If I did, I, I would be, I guess, a lot better at my job. But nobody knew what the Rockies were trying to do for three years until the Cardinals were finally able to get this done. But last January, I found this poll that I tweeted asking Cardinals fans, would you trade Nolan Gorman, Dakota Hudson, Tyler O'Neill, and Matt Carpenter for Nolan Arenado? Obviously, that is a lot more than the Cardinals ultimately gave up. You do have it baked in there that I had Matt Carpenter included. He didn't have a good 2020 season, so it wouldn't have been a loss on the field to have gotten rid of him and and, and moved that salary, about $40 million, $39 million for 2020, 2021. And so I think that might be partially why this got 80% yes votes from Cardinals fans last January. Like, think about what this trade, the trade that just went down, think about what the Cardinals had to give up, and then the fact that 80% were willing 
instead to give up a year ago Nolan Gorman, who's the team's top prospect, especially now that uh, Carlson has graduated to the majors, although he might still be considered a prospect rookie status because of how short last year was. I don't know 100% on that. I think that's true. Uh, But Gorman, of the guys you haven't seen in the major leagues yet, he is the top Cardinals prospect at this point. Dakota Hudson, who, again, this was pre-Tommy John, but Hudson was great in 2019, and he was great last year until he got hurt. So valuable pitcher, young pitcher on a cost-controlled situation because he's got years of control remaining. Tyler O'Neill at the time was viewed as, you know, upside, raw offensive power, decent athletic defender. This year he proved maybe better than decent athletic defensively because he won the gold glove, which was awarded based on defensive metrics, no votes required. And I'm interested in, in how that's going to impact things going forward. If Are they going to stay strictly with the no votes required for the gold glove and go with the format that they used during the pandemic season? I almost am okay with that because you'll never have a situation where a guy is getting it just on reputation or, you know, based on his offense, even worse, because a guy performs offensively, he gets to win the gold glove. That's never the way it's supposed to be, but it's always kind of how it feels, like a guy can never win a gold glove until he elevates himself offensively to be able to get that national profile. But last year, they did it strictly on the metrics, which I think the metrics should absolutely be included, but do we trust the metrics enough? Do we think that they're, they're quality enough on the defensive side? You know, I think a lot of people trust the metrics Uh, in the statistical community, people that look at analytics, people, generally speaking, war is a pretty common, you know, there are people who don't like it, who who think that, you know, sabermetrics are are bogus or whatever. And I'm not one of those people, but there are people who think that way. But then for the rest of us, it's like, okay, I can generally accept that wins above replacement is a valuable thing to look at when determining if players are good or if they're not good. And some of the other statistics as well that are out there offensively. the community, and, and if you're really a hardcore sabermetric person, you would be able to correct me on this and say, no, 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 we we know that this particular metric, whether it's defensive run saved or, or, or zone, total zone defense, you know, this one's actually good and it's put out by this company. And I don't, I don't claim to know the ins and outs of all how that math works. I trust that it's pretty good. It's just maybe not as, uh, as well regarded as generally accepted by the wider population, as some of the offensive stats. So that's what's interesting to me. Tyler O'Neill wins the gold glove, getting back again, as I tend to trail off sometimes, getting back to the trade conversation for Nolan Arenado, what the Rockies got, what the Cardinals gave up. Talking about this trade poll, all right, Tyler O'Neill was involved in that poll with Nolan Gorman, Dakota Hudson, and Matt Carpenter. A lot of people probably voted, 80% voted yes in this poll out of 1,928 votes. A lot of people probably at the time were like, yeah, Matt Carpenter can go. That's good. But when you talk about the fact that his money goes the other way, the Rockies actually, in reality, sent $50 million to the Cardinals, not just the 39 they would have been willing to take on in Matt Carpenter's contract, according to the poll that I did last year. So let's get into actually what did the Cardinals give up. Austin Gomber, he is going to Colorado. That is one of the pieces in the deal. That was one of the names that was initially reported and turns out to have been accurately reported. Uh, Left-handed pitcher. He was really good last year, guys. To me, he is the biggest loss in the trade. Uh, Nobody else, I think, from this trade is going to loom as large as the loss of Gomber. And we may never actually see that bear out because if Gomber goes to Colorado and gets eaten alive because of Coors Field or whatever the hell else, you're going to end up saying, nah, see, it wasn't a loss at all. I think Gomber is a good 
quality pitcher. He's finally healthy. He showed it last year. Had an ERA below two. Again, kind of hard to use 2020 statistics to back your argument because of the fact that it was so cattywampus of a season. Only played 58 games. But Gomber looked really good last year. And he also looked really good going back to spring training. Like, when I did this podcast last year, starting in late January, going through February, and I was down in Jupiter, Florida, watching all these guys play on a daily basis, Austin Gomber was one of the most impressive arms that the Cardinals had last spring. And it was kind of a bummer when the season didn't get to start on time and they didn't get to carry that momentum into the actual season in April like it was supposed to have been, or end of March. Guys like Gomber, and the other one was Daniel Ponce de Leon, which in the end of the season, he really started to come on, but there was some rough going for Ponce earlier in that that summer a year ago where he had to uh, ultimately get sent to the, the alternate camp. There was no minor leagues to even go to, but they had to, they had to option him out because he just wasn't performing. He got right, got better as the year went along. Gomber, the whole time though, every time he got an opportunity, was really, really strong. And so I think the Rockies saw that and said, hey, we're going to take our shot on this guy being a piece of our future rotation. Hopefully it works out for him because I want to see the guy excel, a left-handed pitcher. Uh, you could say, well, that would have been nice to maybe keep because the Cardinals have given up a different name. Like Nobody's saying that today because everybody's just celebrating the fact that the Cardinals finally got it done and they got Arenado to St. Louis. But if you're talking about would there have been conversations surrounding other names, like Jake Woodford was a name that some had reported was in the deal, and for a while maybe it seemed like he was going to be. Ultimately, Woodford stays with the Cardinals. Would you rather trade Jake Woodford or Austin Gomber? Hey, to, you know, talk down about anybody, but I think you'd rather have Austin Gomber on your team rather than trade him away because he's the more proven piece just because he's had more major league success to this point. And the fact that he's a lefty is a bonus. So, you know, you could, but were, were the Cardinals going to get Arenado for a package headlined by Jake Woodford? Probably not. So at the end of the day, Gomber, I think, was a guy that was going to have to be included. You end up giving him up. It's a little bit of a dent to your rotation depth for sure, a rotation depth that we're going to have to talk about in depth as this uh, spring, kind of pre-spring session goes along, I got a tweet or a, a message, I believe, from somebody today mentioning that, hey, here's a conversation for the podcast that you should talk about, uh, the starting rotation, who's the fifth starter? And I agree that that's going to be part of the conversation. And it's not just the fifth starter. It's going to be everything related to the starting rotation because they've got a lot of names that there are questions about, and they've got guys that haven't been starters yet at the major league level, but certainly possess the ability to do so. And so I think that's a fascinating conversation that we're going to have over and over again, especially once we get into spring training, games start being played, we can start to evaluate these guys for what they're doing. Um, It's going to be a lot of fun. But for right now, just looking at Austin Gomber and the loss it is to the rotation depth, yes, it's a loss. You do still have a lefty in that mix with Kwon Young Kim, which I think is important. It's something the Cardinals have lacked for several seasons, uh, going really back to Jaime Garcia when he was a fixture in the rotation from that to last year when Kwon Young Kim was installed in the rotation. You really didn't have a consistent lefty. Gomber was around to fill in sometimes, but he was not ever really entering a season as, yes, he's part of our starting five. So, I think that's cool that more than likely it'll be Kwon Young Kim as a starter. If they try to put him back at the closer role this year uh, after the the way things went last year, I'm not going to be a fan of that. But more than likely you'll still at least have that lefty in the rotation, so that's a positive for the Cardinals. And you give up a piece that 
you know, was he the headliner to the package? Not necessarily because while he had major league uh, experience and other guys didn't, nobody knows whether he'll end up being the best player of the bunch. One guy that could possibly have the potential to be is, I think, the best prospect they gave up in this deal, which is Elias Montero. Uh, third baseman, big-bodied guy, power profile, could potentially uh, enter the major leagues and, and, and hit some home runs, especially when you get him to Colorado. Anything's going to be possible from an offensive standpoint out there. But, of course, looking at what this guy is and what any of these prospects are that you really haven't seen a whole lot of recently because of no minor league season in 2020, Montero last year you know, didn't get any organized baseball in. And the last time we've really seen him, he, he had a stint in Springfield in 2019, which is the highest level he's played at. 59 games, didn't really perform very well, but he was a 20-year-old kid at the time, so you cut him some slack. But 188 batting average, 235 on base, and a 317 slug, there wasn't a whole lot there. Has, at the lower levels of the minors, as a teenager, he's had some seasons where he's uh, hit pretty decently. He had 16 homers the year before across a couple of levels in 2018. So the power potential is definitely there for the 22-year-old. And if you're the Colorado Rockies, you're looking at that and you're thinking, let's get a, a young kid potential to play third base. Not sure if he's going to be able to stick at that position defensively. It's no longer a concern for the Cardinals, though. They can send him and say, look, this is a corner infield type that can that can have potential to turn into a power hitter down the road. He's the number eighth ranked prospect in the Cardinals organization prior to this trade. And so they end up getting, you know, a top 10 prospect from the Cardinals, not top 10 in major league, not top 100 in major league, but a top 10 in the Cardinals organization, definitely a, a guy that could potentially, you know, elevate his game to reach the majors in the next couple of years. Looks like on MLB Pipeline, they have it listed for him as far as his uh, ETA expected uh, time to arrive. It's going to be the major leagues in 2021 is what it says for his ETA. Um, and it's it already has him listed as MLB because I think he was on the 40-man roster, which, is which one, clears a 40-man roster spot, which is nice for flexibility. But because of that, I think that's why it already lists him at MLB level. But He's really only played at Springfield AA and hasn't been highly successful at that level. So while I think there's a future for this guy, it's maybe a couple of years off. And you look positionally, the Cardinals still have Nolan Gorman with the ability to play third base. And as he joked about on Instagram last night, potentially second base, might need to learn a new position because of the Arenado acquisition. And so he, he was having some fun with that. But if you look at it from a prospect standpoint, the Cardinals are perfectly fine at third base. You've got Gorman, you've got Jordan Walker, the first-round draft pick from last summer, and oh yeah, you've got Nolan Arenado. So I think you're going to be okay at third base for a little bit. In spite of losing Elias Montero, who I do believe could be the highest upside prospect of the group that the Cardinals gave up, positionally, it's just not that much of a concern. you know. And you can say that, look at all the Cardinals outfielders, and they gave away Randy Arozarena, and he ended up being the only one that was any good, so that sucks, but it's just one of those things that he's this kid is still so many years away and if he's not years away it's got to be a you know one or two he might you could see him emerge later this summer that I mean it wouldn't be impossible for Colorado especially because of the fact that the the cupboard is kind of barren at that point so I could see Montero elevating his game over the next couple of years to where Cardinals fans are going to find out you know what they gave up but again if you're sitting there with Nolan Arenado as your third baseman 
and you've got Gorman who could potentially come in as early as late this season to the major league level, that might be a little bit of a, a stark acceleration for him given the fact that he didn't get to play organized games last year. Uh, but I think it would have been, if he had a 2020, I think he would have been at A Springfield and he may have been on the Dylan Carlson plan of getting called to Memphis by the end of the year if things were going well to where you could have potentially seen him with an opportunity uh, coming into this season really to make the roster out of spring training. That's been kind of pushed back by three-quarters of a year to a year in my estimation to where now you might, if Gorman does get to play minor league baseball because they have a minor league season this year, and by the middle of the year, late year, he's performing well, I could see if there was a need him making the leap to the majors in 2021. But you really don't necessarily anticipate that kind of need unless there's a lot of injuries because of Arenado, because potentially, you know, Matt Carpenter being able to perform. We'll see how that works out. Because of Tommy Edmonds' presence and availability at multiple positions, you might be able to be okay unless you have some guys get hurt and have the combination of Gorman performing well. So we'll wait and see what it's going to be for Gorman. Again, that's a bit of a side conversation to the discussion on the Arenado trade, but Elias Montero, good prospect, the best prospect the Cardinals gave up in the deal. In the end of the day, I just don't think it's the end of the world for the Cardinals. Uh, He's a guy I pegged before the trade happened when people were asking me, are they going to give up Carlson? Are they going to give up Gorman? No, they're not going to give up those guys. That's just not the way it's going to work. You look at trades this offseason, big-name players being moved, no prospects that are elite within the top 100 are really being included in those deals, whether it's Hugh Darvis, whether it's Lindor, Those trades just aren't happening where you have to give up a whole lot because there are teams out there right now who are trying to shed cash, and that's what the Colorado Rockies were doing, and so Cardinals end up on on the good side of that. So the fact that they don't have to give up Gorman, they instead can give up Montero, who's a good player, but it made sense, made perfect sense. He's the kind of asset that you, you know, through the draft and through international signings, you get these guys, you develop them. And sometimes, rather than see them through to the major leagues, you trade them to better your team. And in in that way, Elias Montero uh, served his purpose as a member of the Cardinals, and now he's got an opportunity with the Rockies, with a team that certainly could use him panning out as as a major league player, uh, and he'll have the opportunity to do that. So I think it was a really sensible addition, made all the sense in the world for Montero to be trading in this deal, and that's not a slight on the kid in any means. But talking about some of the other players that went from St. Louis to Colorado in this trade, Tony Losey, right-handed pitcher, 22 years old, 19th ranked in the organization before the deal, according to MLB Pipeline. And But I got to be totally honest with you, I've never heard of him before this trade, and so I wasn't familiar with him. I'm sure he's great. But again, if you're talking about prospects in the organization lower than you know, a lot of the names that you have heard, like Justin Williams is ranked number 17. You've heard of him because they traded for him in the Tommy Pham deal. Seen a little bit of him at the major league level last year, if I recall. Like Johan Oviedo, Cody Whitley. These are some of the names that are above where Tony Losey was. Trey Fletcher is another one, but like he's a 19-year-old outfielder. You might have heard of him as a guy that's been talked up as an athletic kid. But when you get down to this far in the list, I don't always... I haven't always heard of everybody, so apologize for that, but I couldn't tell you much about Tony Losey other than served his purpose as a member of the Cardinals because they were able to get 
Arenado in the deal for him. Mateo Gill's another name I'd heard of him, uh, but again, he's a, he was a teenager, just turned 20, 22nd ranked prospect in the organization before the deal. He's a shortstop, you know, a third round pick, if I recall correctly, uh, back in 2018. So could be a couple of years away. These shortstops, it seems like oftentimes are, you know, Sometimes they pan out, sometimes they don't. You know, remember Delvin Perez? That has never really come to fruition. Teenage shortstop. All these athletic, really, you know, talented players seem to start out at shortstop, and then they can maybe move around. Sometimes they'll pan out, sometimes they won't. Gill is just another another lower end of the top 30 prospects that those are the kinds of names that are going to be included in these kinds of trades. And I think the Cardinals at the shortstop position with Paul DeYoung, they're going to be okay with letting letting a guy go at that spot. Uh, doesn't look like they've got any other shortstops on the top 30 list as of right now as far as prospects coming down the pipeline. Edmundo Sosa is on the list, but he's more of a utility infielder. They've, they've played him around. He can play shortstop, came up as uh, with experience at shortstop. But I think with, with where the shortstop position is for the Cardinals, they're looking at Paul DeYoung, and if that doesn't pan out, uh, you know they're they're probably going to have to go external to fill the 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 role until maybe a guy like Mason Wynn, uh, who is the seventh ranked prospect. I missed him there because right now they're they're still committed to Mason Wynn, who's 18 years old, so he's a long way off. They're still committed to him as a shortstop slash right-handed pitcher. Was just drafted this past summer, and so DeYoung is kind of the future there. They signed him to that contract to be around for a, a good long while, and if that doesn't pan out, if you know his his play declines for whatever reason. They'll they'll go in another direction. They're not super worried about. I don't think the shortstop uh, position necessarily within the organization right now. They still like Paul DeYoung. A lot of what happened with him last year, I think uh, the organization anyway would attribute to the COVID situation. Same thing with Lane Thomas. These guys had COVID. There's a lot going on last year, and they didn't perform up to expectations. A lot of those guys are going to get a, a blank slate, a fresh slate in the eyes of the organization. Is that going to be right and correct in every case? It's not going to be, but it seems to be, you know, it seems to be the approach that they're going to try to take because you have to kind of pin yourself down on something. And they're going to say, look, we've learned a lot about what COVID did to our athletes, does to a person's body. The way you recover, it's it's difficult. And they were doing this under some some unfortunate circumstances having to play all those doubleheaders whatever the case was so at the end of the day I think they're going to be all right with with what Paul DeYoung brought to the table that's my discussion about Mateo Gill the shortstop the Cardinals gave up in this trade and then finally the other name in the deal I believe was another right-handed pitcher Jake Summers is his name didn't register on the top 30 prospects had never heard of him in my life apologies to Jake Summers I hope I'm saying his name right. But just another kind of throw-in, lower-end prospect that Cardinals had to include to get this deal done, and that's it. Those five names, Gomber, Montero, Losey, Gill, and Summers are the five you give up, and you still have a a farm system that's, I wouldn't say it's totally stacked, but you've got a lot of names of a lot of guys that you like. Didn't give up Carlson, Gorman, Libertor, Ivan Herrera, Zach Thompson, you know, you... None of those guys are really even in consideration for this trade, but the fact that you were able to pull it off without giving up any of them or any of the guys you drafted this last year, like Walker or Wynn or Tink Hens, 
I think that's great. I think the Cardinals, I mean, obviously, they came away really well in this deal. Hopefully, Arenado is healthy. Hopefully, he's, you know, not going to opt out. He's going to stick around, which seems to be the the indication based on what he said in his press conference on Zoom yesterday. And the Cardinals are going to have him for a good long while. It's a a great move for the team. Um, You know, does it instantly turn them into World Series contenders? I don't know about that. That's something that we're going to have to continue to wrestle with as we approach the spring and as we look at the team and how they're performing throughout the spring, uh, that and, and you know how injuries stack up and what other teams around the league are doing, that's all going to be part of the conversation as we go along here on B Shape Daily throughout the season. Uh, we're we're just ramping up here, folks. Excited to get back to the grind of this. Going to be trying to, if I'm not doing it every day, I call it B Shape Daily. Going to try to get you five episodes a week. Sometimes that'll mean recording on a weekend. And especially as we get into the season, if there's games on a weekend, there's certainly opportunity to have conversations about what's going on with the team. So appreciate you times a million for joining me today for this episode. If you're just tuning in for the first couple of times, not sure what you think, would love to get you on board as a subscriber. If you would subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, your audio pleasures, you can get B-Shape Daily in that location as well. Uh, maybe not SoundCloud. I think that might be the only one that we are not on. But everywhere else, you can find us. And if you really want to make it easy on yourself, go into your browser, anchor.fm slash bshafer12. It's the same as my Twitter handle, bshafer12. You'll be able to pull up the uh, the page for the show, and you'll be able to find any of the links there that you want. There's like 10 or 12 different apps that have the podcast You can click on any of those. It'll connect you to whichever app you prefer to use, and you'll be good to go from there. So going to wrap things up for this edition of B-Shape Daily. But once again, appreciate you guys for joining me, and we will talk to you tomorrow with a big discussion about Colton Wong.